This is ESPN Crick Info. Bowl at Boyd's. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Bowl at Boyd's here on ESPN Crick Info. The IPL is halfway through, test series going on in different parts of the world, and to discuss all that we have with us Jeffrey Boycott joining us from Barbados. How are you doing, sir? Well, indeed. So let's start with the questions. The first one was sent by Sushant from India. He says, "How does one bowl to batsmen like A. B. De Villiers and Stephen Smith? They possess exemplary footwork. So on a good pitch, if they give themselves a couple of overs to get in, they are near impossible to get out unless they play rash shots to catch up with the run rate. Would the bowler's best option be the yorker, or to hope for a rank turner, or a pitch with a lot of seam and swing?" Smith and the Villiers, it's the changes more than anything. You can't tell me that Smith 
and De Villiers are better players than Clive Lloyd, Lawrence Rowe, Haynes, Greenwich, Gooch, Gower. No, they're not, or Bolton and Willis. They're not. But the circumstances have changed. There are now field placing restrictions, there are bowler restrictions. And also, if one will accept that life changes, not pretty, just life. There's a change in life as, as human beings improve on things, new innovations come, about, come out along. The human brain has a tremendous capacity to seek out and improve, to make better. And it's the same with all sports. And what has happened with the new generation of youngsters, they've come along, they've invented the reverse sweep, the ramp, the scoop. And then the bat manufacturers have made the bats bigger so they hit the ball further. They've taken the water content out of the bat so it, it doesn't weigh so much, a bit more woody. Now, you can remember all these are the normal changes of, of life in tricky. The game of tricky, from when it started with underarm bowling, and when it had four balls per over to eight balls in Australia, now standard six, there are so many changes. There's always been change and improvement. It's the nature of life, it's the nature of sport, it's the nature of our cricket. And that's why it's almost impossible to judge players from different areas against each other. I take me out off to people like the Billy, he's a wonderful player, especially the one-day cricket. But it's what has been done with everything around the game, the improvements of the game, that now make twice as many runs. I mean, England, 211, Washington is 196. I mean, they, they knock those off in 20 overs these days on better pitches than ever. When WG Grace played, there were stones in the pitch. So everything has improved. And you've got to be careful that you don't judge today's players as so much better than everybody that went before. They're the best of this era. How do you bowl at them? With the restrictions we have, it's impossible. You have to try anything you can. Yorkers is the best of all. But again, if you don't get it right on the back increase line, it becomes a half volley, full toss, they whack it with the bats for four or six. So it's impossible. The ITC are to blame for this. They're stupid in allowing, you know, 400 runs an innings, 800 runs a day. It's as daft. It's as daft as anything you've ever seen. It used to come the kids who won't want to be a bowler. Who want to be a bowler today? It just gets smashed everywhere. We need to change. It's the imbalance between batting and bowling that's making it so difficult to bowl at certain batsmen who are very, very good, very, very talented when they get in. Well, let's see how much time it takes for the balance between bat and ball can be restored. And uh, the next two questions were sent by Idris from the UAE. Let's take the first one, which is the second of the show. We just saw a complete whitewash of Pakistan at the hands of Bangladesh in the ODIs in T20. The captain has defended it by saying they are going through a rebuilding phase, and rightly so. The team seems to be on a steady decline after 2009, as teams denied going to play in Pakistan due to security reasons. Do you think the lack of international cricket, home cricket for Pakistan, has led to this decline in their international standards? On the other hand, how do you see the rise of cricket in Bangladesh, seeing that most of their senior players are young, and the young talent of under-19 recently beat under-19 South African team 6-1, who were the world champions? 
Well, I'm really pleased that Bangladesh is starting to have some uh, good success because what we saw in the World Cup was that Bangladesh have some very good cricketers and we saw that match against England. They beat England fair and square and they qualified for the quarterfinals of the World Cup. That should give them lots of confidence. They should have gone on on a big high. And playing at home, they've always been a very difficult uh, opponent to beat. The pitches can be awkward if you're not used to uh, Bangladesh pitches. Visitors are always a bad problem, but I agree with you. Pakistan have been there quite often. They should be used to playing in Bangladesh. So the performance of Bangladesh was excellent. But they have to do it again and again. We can't just have one series win or one match in the World Cup where you won a England. We've got to do it more and more to get into the big time. A strong Bangladesh, after all the money that's been spent to them, will be healthy for world cricket. Because, you know, we've lost West Indies. The great West Indies side have gone West Indies a week. I'm here now watching England play them. England are strong, but they should beat West Indies easily. And they're finding it hard, which, which says more about England than it does about, about West Indies. Zimbabwe a week as well. And Pakistan could start to become weak as players and spectators get disillusioned with no international cricket to watch in their own country. Youngsters in every country, and that includes Pakistan, the Pakistan youngsters need to see their idols play. They need to see the national team. They need to look up to the players. They need to have heroes and have ambitions to play like them. They need their favourite players. When they don't see the national team play, it's bound to hurt the young. Pakistan seems to find wonderfully talented cricketers all the time. And in the last few years, it's been hit with all sorts of problems. There's terrorism, there's bombings. Remember the shooting of the ICC match officials, an umpire that died, that got shot. Your people got killed. There's been match fixing, spots fixing, jail terms. There's been the throwing actions like Ajmal. They keep, there's always something against Pakistan. Always something that hurts them. And yet, you know, every time Pakistan suffers a big problem, it somehow seems to pick itself up and start again. The spirit of cricket seems to be in their soul. And I take my hat off to them because they're always picking themselves up from whatever problems beset their cricket. And you know, when you keep getting setbacks, it takes a lot of character and a lot of love of cricket to keep getting up from body blows. But they do. New players, new youngsters come on the scene and perform. Yes, they're raw, they're young, they make mistakes. But they keep picking themselves up. I take me hat up to them, I really do. But how long can this go on? I don't know. It must eventually wear down the people who watch the game, the people who play it. And maybe at some stage the youth will stop playing cricket as they get more and more disillusioned with the team not with any, with teams not going to Pakistan to play. For now, it's okay. As I said, we keep getting new faces, new talent. And the fact that they turn out teams, good players, is something to be thankful for. I applaud them. I hope it continues. 
But I do feel eventually it will wear them down. It will have an effect on the youth coming through. That's true. One team on the decline and the other on the rise. The second question sent by Idris was, uh, Mr. Boycott, in the recent years we have seen that umpires go up to the third umpire and refer for a no-ball on almost every occasion when a wicket falls. Agree that their task is difficult, but isn't that unfair on the game that they have to refer only when a wicket falls and not otherwise? We have seen various instances when the bowler has overstepped, when replays are shown from side angles. Clearly this needs to be stopped or rather it is possible to refer every ball for no-ball to maintain fairness. For an already unfair balance between bat and ball, what and how do you think it is possible to cure cricket from this current habit of the umpires? Well, let me say first that the umpires have no choice. The ICC rule, they, they have to go to the third umpire and the third umpire has the television to show them whether it's a no ball or a legal delivery first. So that they have to do, that is the rule. Now many ex-players, and I'm one of them, believe the third umpire should be allowed to watch TV and contact the on-field umpire if he sees a no ball, which the on-field umpire may have missed. And when he gets on to the on-field umpire, tell him that there's been a no ball and he should rectify it by calling no ball. Now this hasn't happened yet. The ICC somehow want to preserve the authority of the on-field umpire. They're okay when the on-field umpire asks the third umpire for a DRS, then that's okay, and then the third umpire re relays to him the answer. But the ICC somehow don't want third umpires taking over on-field decisions. I disagree. I'm with you. I think if the third umpire sees a no-ball, he should get in the ear of the on-field umpire and tell him because, as far as I understand, when I played, and even now, players want fairness. They want as many correct decisions as possible. And we, are, we the players, aren't worried or concerned with the on-field umpire being upstaged or upset because the third umpire intervenes. We want them just to get it right, so I'm with you. It's time the ICC allowed the third umpire to contact them on the field and say, hey, you've missed a no ball. You need to call it. Good question. Boyk's question of the week. And that brings us to the last question of this episode. This was sent by Dhiraj, Dhiraj Krishna Kumar from United Kingdom. And uh, he says, with the amount of protection and heavy bats, should body line be allowed? And with two balls in the ODI, should the bowling team be allowed to use the ball as they fancy? 40 overs for one ball and maybe 10 overs the other. We could have new ball and reverse, swinging, reverse swing bowling in the last 10 overs. What do you think, Jeffrey? Interesting. Now, it's, it's, I've heard lots of ideas how to redress the balance between bat and ball. Uh, Australia don't want any changes because they've just won the World Cup as the as the rules are. But there are many other people like me feel there's an imbalance here. There's too many fours and sixes. There's too many bowlers who are just cannon fodder. There's no chance of stopping the bats and hitting runs. But I've never heard of all the ideas, I've never heard this fantastic idea that a bowling captain can decide how and when to implement the second new ball. 
I suppose what you're saying is that we start with a new, one new ball and it's used at both ends. With the rule being that at some stage the feeling captain can use a new ball for 10 overs. And there'd be his choice when. Interesting, that. And then revert back to the old ball. So you get 40 overs with one and 10 overs with another. It will be a little complicated, but it's, it's interesting. Now, body line. Body line would not be a good idea, in my opinion, because body line, it wasn't just fast bowlers bowling into the body of the batsman. It was that, of course, but it was the use of unlimited fielders on the left side and behind square leg. Now, this meant that when the ball was bowled into the body, at pace, real pace, the batsman could get caught out easily because sometimes there was a leg slip and a leg gully, there was a bat and pad man and then there was a, there was a short man in front of the, uh, the bat and pad man. So you could have four men around catching and if you go a lifter into your body, your ribs or anything, you couldn't keep it down, there's four people going to catch you out and if you took a chance a real chance and what? Then you could have men on the boundary, you could have one behind square and one at five leg for catching any sort of hook shot. And in that situation, you didn't need anybody for drives because you were never going to pitch it up, so you just get falling short into the ribs. And you covered all bases as a captain and bowler with body line fielding for the hook and trying to defend yourself with the ball into the ribs, into the heart, into the neck area. It was a nightmare for batsmen, yet I have to say, I thought it was brilliant by Douglas Jardin to think it out, the England captain, under the old rules that were allowed. And it was marvellously executed by Harold Lauer, the Nottinghamshire back bowler. But I don't believe we could go on like that in cricket because it would be a nightmare to score any runs. And I don't believe anyone wants to return to that. The rules were changed to stop unlimited fielders on the leg side, including only now having two behind square. Otherwise, batsmen just can't score with difficulty or without taking huge risks. And bowlers today, you know, can still bowl into the ribs, into the heart, into the neck. If they're good enough, and quick enough and accurate enough, they can do what they can do that, no problem, nothing against it. But you can't have the body line field placings, which means it's much easier to score. You can take this if you have two behind catching, you can't have anybody out for a hook, so that's where they'll have a go and top edges will be safe. If you have somebody out, you can have only one behind catching. So there's more areas to keep the ball down. That's the difference between body line. It was the field placings with the short pitch bowling that made it so difficult. Interesting question indeed there about body line and how to use the two new balls. But that's the end of this episode of Bullet Boys on ESPN Cricket Info. There's quite a bit of cricket going on. The second half of IPL is left. Third test between England and West Indies and the ongoing series between Bangladesh and Pakistan. So send in your questions and feedback for all of these over the next two weeks and Jeffrey Boycott will join us again to answer most of those if not all. Till then, goodbye and good luck. You are listening to ESPN Crick Info.